Hello, everyone, and welcome to another one of these fun interview episodes of the SWW Show. I'm Mike. Uh, today, we do have with us also AJ. AJ, how are you doing on this? I don't know what it looks like in Michigan right now. Cloudy, cold summer day? Uh, it's high clouds. It's like 60 degrees. It's beautiful. Um, I love that it broke up the monotony of 85 degree days. Yeah, this is. I live in Florida still. Um, it is ninety two probably or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. And today we have with us a special guest. Uh, talk about his game. Um, let's see. We talked about before. So let's see if I get your name right. You, uh, you'll say. Jonas. Yeah. You you see indeed. So uh, that's perfect. Perfect indeed. Perfect. Uh, so the game we're here to talk about today is Company of Prime. Uh, maybe as we as we get into the game, do you mind maybe start talking about kind of like who you are in the studio and all that fun stuff? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So I'm indeed uh, Jussi Audio. I'm the creative director in Resistance Games, the makers of uh, Company of Crime. Um, me myself, uh, I've been in the game business for 14 years, almost 15 or soon 15. Uh, mostly been designer, sometimes also CEO of a small small companies, so kind of business-oriented designer, I would say. And uh, Resistance Games is a dream come true for at least 13 people. So we are a new company, but uh, the bunch of us, the 13 people, we've been around uh, for quite a while. Uh, on average, we've been in the game business for 13 years as well. So that's that's in the northern Finland where we're located, that's very very experienced team, uh, even though it's, of course, small. But we were established two years ago, uh, three, a couple of months before we signed the Company of Crime, uh, which is our first game. So we started in January 2019 to develop it, and uh, here we are, very close to launch. I got to say, your, uh, your, uh, the Resistance logo is amazing. Thanks. Um, Thanks, yeah. I am... There is a... I'm a sucker for awesome art, and I'll tell you what, this is this is right up there with some of the best, like super minimalist. Uh, but it gets the point across. Yeah, yeah. So you, cool. so the thing I want to jump on first is so Finland is where you guys are from, obviously. Is so I'm trying to think of other Finnish teams. Is Housemark the only one? I think they're from Finland. Is that the only team I could think of? Probably like the of like. In, of like international note probably because you guys don't have the biggest game scene in the world yeah i mean uh, finnish game studios where uh, our finnish game industry is very known for mobile games uh, uh mark is the oldest uh, game studio we have actually the, this is the celebratory year since it's uh uh 25 years of uh, finnish game industry now with mark uh remedy is another one uh, fa a very famous one the probably the only triple a studio we have or well a couple of studios like uh, housemark sometimes do triple a sometimes double a uh, but i think most of our most famous studios are in the mobile side like rovio with angry birds that's a finnish studio or uh, supercell with all those uh, like uh, uh, the clan clash of, like, of clans and uh, and so forth so, yeah. so i've been yeah. standing corrected i know a lot of finnish games <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, in, in the Nordic, we're the we're the biggest, even though Sweden is uh, almost twice the size population-wise to us. Uh, but we have, we're neck to neck on the size, and currently, I think the Finnish uh, game industry is bigger than than Swedish one. Yeah, you so guys, you guys have the uh, the pesky mobile that make a billion dollars without anybody <laughs> yeah, really talking yeah. about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so we people on a team, they're like, yeah, our game just broke 10 million. And you're like, what do you do? They're like, we sent an update that changed the color and added 10 more levels. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And it, it, even here in the Northern Finland, where we're located, the uh, Fingersoft uh, has crossed also 1 billion downloads with, with their hill climb racing game. So they are uh, locally uh, one of them. Well, they are by far the biggest here in in Oulu, uh, but also nationally, I think they're in the top top five or top six uh, game studios. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. I, didn't, I definitely did not realize how many Finnish teams I knew. So I guess let's, let's <laughs> yeah. jump into your guys' game, which, as from when we're talking, comes out real, 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 real soon. <laughs> um, uh, let's uh, let's as we get into company crime, let's ask the obvious question: How stressed are you? Uh, not anymore. Not not that stressed. Uh, actually, this week is my vacation week. Uh, we have a code freeze at the moment. Uh, yes, we are. Uh, some of us are still working on day one patch. Uh, mostly on the Mac side, the problems are. Uh, so fixing those. But indeed, the last two months have been quite quite hectic, I have to say. And. Uh, uh, to put things into words, like the biggest frustration I personally have had in the last uh, well month or two weeks, is why on earth uh, does Unreal, which the engine we're using, why does it keep dropping some of the translations off whenever I want to import or change uh, change uh, some of the translations, then others unrelated uh, translations get gets dropped off. Uh, that that has been a pain in the uh, nether region, so to say. <laughs> <laughs> so there's 13 of you. How many languages are you guys in? Uh, we have, uh, I think, six languages or six. Uh, let's see, English, uh, French, German, uh, Spanish, Russian, Chinese, and Japanese. So seven languages. Okay. So I guess I guess now as we kind of skirt around it, let's jump into the game itself. So um, I, I have been, I have the Steam page up in front of me too, just to make sure I end up some notes. So the first thing, so you guys are, strat, I'd say a strategy game set in obviously London in the sixties. Uh, yes. So I'm curious, just from a setting point of view, as as so your team is Finnish. Why? Yes. Why London as a setting? Is it just something that everyone recognized? You guys have back, like a background from London. Uh well, kind of, but uh, of course we're we're Finns, so we're proud of our history. Uh, but uh, we're five and a half million people, so if we want to do business uh, and make sure that people would play games, I'm not so optimistic that uh, games set in Finnish history would be selling as well as some more recognizable eras, even though there is lots of awesome stuff in our history as well. Uh, two of our uh, studio studio members and founders actually have lived in London as well, so they have first-hand experience how the city itself is. Uh, my background is in history, so when I was in university, history was my major. So 
I, I know the era, and of course, I think 1960s is a very iconic era uh, in itself. And if I would have to say two cultural capitals of the world that pretty much are the icons of 1960s, I would say San Francisco and London. So that was the era of rise of youth culture. Uh, London itself, the, well, there were there were the proto hippies already in London, but also mods who could not have enough uh, mirrors in their uh, scooters. They were hated by the rockers uh, who rode motorcycles and so forth. So the era itself is very very iconic. Uh, so you can deep into very very, very deep into the uh, 1960s swinging London, but uh, you don't see the end of it. And what is less well known that it was also indeed the time of worst police corruption and organized crime in, in London, even though London has a very long history in organized crime, starting with the, well, Jack the River isn't organized crime, but there were uh, organized crime already in the 1800s. Uh, so, but uh, none are more famous than the Cray brothers, which is of course a big inspiration for us as well. And it's compared to the American mafia, for example, I think the 1960s organized crime in London, they were part of the kind of socialites. They were celebrities themselves. They were untouchable, unlike Al Pacino and, uh, no, not Al Pacino, Al Capone, sorry. I mean, <laughs> Pacino Capone. is untouchable. But... <laughs> nowadays he is, yes. Uh, but yeah, so uh, the fact that they hanged out with the politicians, uh, movie stars and so forth, that's, quite kind of unique setting i would have to say and uh it's been great working in in this team yeah i think though uh organized crime in the 60s in london was like what new york was in the 70s where 20s this is where i find that interesting that you said that you felt like they were like celebrities and untouchable we're like the reason we have the movies The Untouchables in America is because the mob was untouchable, really, for a good chunk of time in this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, I, I think there is a difference uh, that, that is it out of fear or out of respect? Uh, because indeed, the Cray brothers, they even when they were convicted, they said that they have never hurt anyone except other criminals, and uh, even like the craziest story I have is uh, we of course went to the crime scene so to speak so uh, to London to do some studying and went to Blind Beggar uh, where uh, the Ronnie Cray shot George Cornell uh, which is one of the murders they were finally convicted of and what we found is a shrine dedicated to organized criminals uh, the Cray brothers there were lots of newspaper articles and kind of like a shrine and then two beautiful women joined us and started telling stuff that even in the movie uh, Legend or in the book's uh, Profession of Violence, they got it all wrong and they, they knew details and clearly were fans of the Cray brothers now, what, 50 years later. So, and that, that for Finnish mentality, that's, that was, that's bizarre that you could idolize criminals. Yeah, I think at least, I don't know about you, Mike, growing up in Chicago, but for me, it's like the, the idea, like you said, of idolizing these, these criminals. I mean, like it was always an accepted thing. It's not like 
you never wanted to look up to them. It was always like, okay, we want to do this. We have to deal with the Teamsters or X, Y, and Z. You know, it wasn't, oh man, these guys are awesome. It's okay. They're a necessary evil, but they're less of an evil than, you know, dealing with police forces in the 60s or dealing with local Mm -hmm. governments. It was easier at times. See, uh, yeah, my, yeah, my, a lot of my family grew up in very Italian neighborhoods, so they were the local government. So that's maybe the difference. Um, but like, but like that, you know, that is that's a very interesting example there. I, I always point to like the way that like even like my father or like some of the older relatives they really talk about like the mob that was still around in the sixties and seventies, kind of like in the Chicago suburbs, and the way they talk about of like they're like, yeah, like yeah, 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 like if they came by, you understood that like you're gonna you're gonna that you're gonna give them whatever storage they needed and they'll pay you for it. It was, it was like they talk about like it was like a mutual relationship. It's very akin difference of like probably now when you talk about them and they're like, yeah, look at what they did back then. They're like, no, no, they were just a member of the community. Yeah, cool. So maybe maybe the differences aren't uh, aren't as big as I I have thought. I'm not that. Uh, I'm mostly uh, familiar with the mob, uh, the American mob from the movies. So I haven't uh, read read that many books on it or any books on, on it. So it's definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting era because I mean, it spans for, for, 150 <laughs> years at least where, I mean, you can really identify like, okay, it went from the beginnings of Sicilian mob in the late 1800s to Capone in Chicago to the five families also, in New York, to now whatever's remaining of the five families in New York, which still yeah. exists. We just they're just not in any close to the volume of, of power. No, now yeah, they're yeah. now they're white collar crimes. They're not slinging so, drugs. They're slinging uh, tax incentives. Yeah. So let, let's. So what I'm curious about then is obviously we talked about the setting of the game. Let's talk about like mechanically like. So you wanted to build a game, or your team wanted to build a game then, based on the 60s mob in London. As you're going through this then, like, what is your, like, goal for the game? Like, immediately, did you picture it as a strategy game? Did you picture it as, like, an action game, more of a detective game? Like, where were you going with this? Yeah, from from the very get-go, it has been uh, that clear that it's a turn-based tactical strategy game. So... We have two two great inspirations for the game. One is indeed the swing in London and the setting, and the other one is XCOM. Uh, so we all love XCOM and they do great stuff. Uh, and since the birth of the concept, before we like it was long, long before we even made started coding anything, it was very very clear that we want to use XCOM style uh, game mechanics. But we are at the heart of an a dying empire, uh, a huge metropolis, so you can't go shooting people. So we knew that from the very beginning, we knew that we want to do XCOM-style gameplay when it comes to the tactical side, partially also, I would say, on the strategic side as well, but then make sure that the guns aren't the stars of the stars of the gameplay, but rather your fists and the awesome moves and the levels so that it would hopefully catch the feel of the 1960s London, that uh, the levels themselves have gameplay elements, that if you look at uh, look at the screenshots, 
if you see any chairs there, they are weapons. You can pick up a chair and hit with it and the chair gets broken. If you see bottles on the tables, they are throwable ranged objects, single time use, yes. But, uh, but this way we can make sure that the setting itself becomes at least tiny bit greater than it would be if we were in large large areas, forest and so forth, which is like uh, XCOM's missions could be also nowadays. The visual wise only your own units look sci-fi. So of course the aliens look sci-fi as well, but the, the levels themselves look pretty standard. But here hopefully the levels give you a feel of the of the city and the era as well as with the units that we have tried to model that the uh, different subcultures of the era are present in the different uh, crime families that some some have lemon heads the skinheads of the time which weren't yet the racist they are nowadays uh, and then rude boys and, and so forth are with with some other criminal families and and so forth i will say the the feel that this game gives off is very much of the uh the guy Ritchie vibe <laughs> yeah excellent because that's one of our goals definitely lock stock and two smoking bar barrels and, and so forth so yeah guy Ritchie is definitely definitely what we're after with the with the visuals this yeah this game would i this is pie in the sky i mean it doesn't mean you have to do this but the uh that john wick i believe it was john wick hex yeah. kind of game like this they had where you could watch the level back in they called it real time so it took out all of the breaks of you choosing the moves and made it look like the movie mm. this i this would be a perfect uh vessel for that just the style the era like and it would be an incredible workload but making it kind of feel like a Guy Ritchie movie with some of the combat interactions. I think with the John Wick's Hex, uh, that kind of uh, replay thing, and well, in, in, in any case, the kind of gameplay it has works when you control just one character. Yeah. But we do have a squad, so you need to jump between characters, and then if you want to play play uh, back, like a more replayed, how uh, visual wise, that's a lot bigger uh, bigger yeah. task to create because you have lots of units which one should it follow and, and and so forth yeah yeah like i said it would be a massive undertaking but i yeah i played that a couple months ago and i just got back into uh super hot and they kind of do the same thing where it plays back at real speed and yeah i'm like yeah. man that's a feature that some of these turn-based games could kind of take advantage of it'd be a like i said massive undertaking but being able to have a replay system because some of these things i mean at least for me when i play xcom or i play even like civ i'm thinking about what it would look like what these interactions would look like more than just the camera that they give you mm. like, like, okay, this would look awesome if there's a camera right here seeing, you know, uh, a guy from Chimera Squad with a shotgun vault over this and just blast the guy as he's going over it. Um, and, yeah, just those 
those replay cameras are, I don't know. That's, that's my thing right now. I like those. Yeah. I, I, I have to say if we're talking about the kind of what could be there, uh, and how the, to make the game better. My, in my 14 years in game business, this is the first game that when it's about to launch, I don't have the kind of uh, feeling that I don't want to touch this ever again. I've always had that. This time I don't have. And this would be a great, great game where I would love to make a sequel as well. That's because uh, during the project, if we had a bigger budget, uh, we would have so cool, cool concepts. Like you mentioned the action camera in XCOM as well. Well, we had a kind of a plan. It was never any of the concept documents uh, that we signed the game for because we knew that's an expensive feature. But for the 1960s setting, the 1960s movie style action camera would fit really, really well. Now there is only the kind of uh, when the fight starts or the it, a brawl turns into a gunfight or the police arrives. We use a bit of a, a bit of that, but we what we would have or would love if the game sells well and we get to do a second second one is to have similar uh, action camera as XCOM has, but make the kind of a cutting to it so that the screen splits into several segments. First, you see a fist moving and then it froze,s and uh, uh, turns gray, then you see the fist hitting someone's head and then it froze, and then on the third line you see when that uh, guy drops onto a table and, and and that's the action camera basically. 60 but that's, of course, Yeah, yeah. I so like it. That, so that would be cool, but that's very, very expensive and it's not really a gameplay element. It's, it's or game mechanics. It's that extra extra touch that costs money but uh, doesn't bring you extra gameplay elements so so that's that's why uh it would be cool to do the same game but with uh, twice the money or three times the money there you go company of crime jailbreak edition yeah and yeah. then that's got everything it's got the action cam it's got the game yeah, yeah. there you go nice okay uh, so one of the other things that have caught my eye about you guys, so obviously you're a very system-heavy game, uh, finally speaking. Uh, so you have this idea that you guys talk about um, how you have to, like, once you deal with a crime scene, you have to, like, do stuff like collect evidence and make sure cops can't figure out it was you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even our future concepts, we are definitely, like, uh, game mechanic-focused uh, studio. So that's definitely true, Go going to be true with our future games as well. Uh, but when it comes to the evidence element, uh, let's first look at the kind of a criminal side, because the evidence works, of course, on the police campaign as well. I think we can change the dynamics of the tactical missions quite nicely, that uh, when you as a player, you eventually st stop caring as much about the civilians, which is the first target in the early game when you just want to extort some protection money and get your business rolling, but sooner or later you're going to target the other cr criminal families. So, okay, you try to beat them up uh, to inst instill respect among civilian population so that you can start performing more powerful assignments. Uh, and then 
the bloody enemies pick up a gun and a fist fight turns into a gunfight. And this triggers that now the cops are coming as well. So what was a simple mission then turns into that you're in a hurry to finish it off before the cops come. And if the cops do arrive on the scene, then the game reveals any items that your units have dropped. And it's vital that you go pick them up before you leave the scene, because that will increase. If you leave any evidence behind uh, so to, for the cops to find, that will increase your heat in the strategic map as much as a failed mission would, uh, would raise. So it's very, very important that uh, you would go back that, yeah, we, we solved that fight already. There is a couple of unconscious uh, people there, but yeah, my wallet is there. So I have to hurry back and that's where usually where the cops are coming. So then you have to make decisions uh, in, a in a hurry. Of course, it's a turn-based game, so you can take all of your time to ponder your, is it worth the risk to go back? Maybe that unit gets arrested and, and so forth. But uh, definitely will change the dynamics of a single level that, yes, there is the items that we dropped. Or if it's a coercing ownership, then we need to beat up the owner of the place, but we also need to get the, uh, the accounting books and dispose that so that the, when it changes ownership, the cops don't have a clue that, because the original account books are nowhere, nowhere to be found. And the same thing that you need to do that before the cops arrive. So I feel like that's, I don't know. It just, the idea of cleaning up behind you is very much for me. Like you guys took the idea of like the silent assassin of Hitman and like that idea of, okay, planning everything out. I got to take this guy, hide him, pick up this, make sure nobody sees anything. Like, mm. It's just such an added, like, it's an added stressor, but also the way you were describing it, of it increases heat if you leave stuff behind. Suddenly, it's not only an added stressor of, okay, I got to get the targets. I have to make sure I get this. Otherwise, it's going to be harder and harder and harder down the road to complete a mission. Yeah, like, yeah. that that idea is certainly a I that's an interesting take on the okay how do we ratchet up difficulty yeah indeed and uh, in many of the case uh, many of the missions that you have you don't need to beat up all of your enemies usually the owner of the place uh, is enough or if you're playing the police fine you can arrest the minions as well but what is actually measured, uh, which is helping you wipe down the criminal families, is their boss units. So whenever you're in a tactical mission, there is usually one or two of the boss units uh, involved as well. So it's fine if you let the kind of regular units uh, escape, but try to make sure that you would arrest the boss units. Because arresting kind of minion who is just doing the dirty work, that doesn't help you tear down the organized crime, so. No, okay. That is that is definitely interesting. Uh, walking through kind of some of the other stuff that you guys focus on, I, th I think the big focus in a game like this, obviously we kind of touched on it, has to be the idea of like how you do like combat and those mechanics. Uh, do you mind if we go into them a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, definitely. 
Do you have a question or should I explain the basics uh, first? Or? So uh, fundamentally, based on everything we've seen about the game so far too, it, it reminds me akin to fundamentally as we talk about XCOM, but do you mind going and behind some of the differences a little bit more beyond that? Yeah, yeah. So in in XCOM, the ma- uh, main thing what you're doing is uh, you have wide open spaces and you try to run from cover to cover and flank the enemies so that you have higher chance to kill them. Well, at the heart of uh, heart of London, that's definitely a no go for us. The levels are a lot tighter, and also the flanking works in very different way. Flanking works if you manage to hit someone from behind. That's why the orientation of the units is a key element. So if you just do a regular movement, you will have to choose in some of the screenshots. I I also have this theme open in in front of me. You see the arrow uh, pointing out. So you can choose that, okay, where where, where would I want this uh, unit to look after the movement? And more than that, just that, that is also the kind of key element on area control because all of the units have what we call zone of control. So if one unit is facing another unit, they are kind of locked in a a combat because both are in each other's zone of control. And zone of control works in the way that if you move within a zone of control or away from zone of control, the enemy gets a free attack. So you can enter the zone of control but any movement within or from zone of control results in a free attack chance. So that's, of course, something you want to avoid quite a lot. And that means that your bouncer unit, in particular kind of tank uh, unit class that you have, they can control tight spaces and prevent enemies from enemies' movement so that uh, your other units maybe can uh, team up against someone else and... uh, finish someone someone fast and then come help the tank unit. Uh, but that, that also allows us to have what I feel is the coolest element of the game, which means the skills. That why are brawls hopefully have as much balls as gunfights in XCOM is that the, the move, we, we can have the tactical depth with the different kind of uh, moves or skills in in the game. So if you want to do a head uh, head ban, you need to position your unit so that there is a surface somewhere where you can uh, bang the enemy's head. One of the most powerful moves that you do like James Bond kind of style that, or Terminator throw, throw someone into wall. You need the wall to be able to use throw someone into wall move. Uh, many of the moves also, like the finger strike, doesn't do that much damage. But the cool thing is that, well, the enemy loses its zone of control. So then another unit can sneak up behind and then either attack with a flanking bonus or maybe do a tie-up because you need to do the tie-up from behind. And then anyone attacking that will get uh, uh, bonus damage created against that unit. So. So kind of like these these are the kind of core differences between XCOM, which is ultimately that you want to be always in cover, at least half cover, but preferably full cover so that you are in a better cover than your opponent. Uh, whereas we, our units, they are clo- close to one another 
and you have to ponder how do I make sure that I can deal more damage? How can I make sure that my other unit can help my well, this unit as well? Uh, should I throw this enemy to that uh, tile so that then others can attack it as well? Or should I use my uh, brain unit from behind the lines to throw something at, at that unit? Or indeed, this mechanic also allows verbal skills to be powerful. Like the hippies have insult skills, but so does your brain unit. So, and insult might not sound like a powerful skill, but it actually is. Because if insult is successful, then the enemy gets enraged. And what enraged does is that no matter what, that unit will then try to attack whoever insulted that unit. And with the zone of controls and free attack chance, then it doesn't matter. It will try to get to that other unit. So if someone is safe behind your own units and insults someone, then that unit will definitely trigger some zone of control attacks and hopefully will never reach whoever insulted it. That is, uh, first of all, I really like the whole, like, put me in a fit of rage part. Um, also, I can only imagine the amount of headaches this system sounded like it made when you guys were creating it. Yeah, actually, the the system, system itself uh, has worked mostly fine during the development. For some reason, the biggest bug, consistent bug that uh, we have fixed several times is how do we communicate the fact that the same as in XCOM when you are about to walk through a fire there is that icon that shows that hey if you're doing this then this will trigger that for some reason that has been the most buggy thing that that seems to be disappearing well not in the launch game doesn't but uh, but that we have fixed or our programmers have fixed uh, several times and then somehow it keeps on reappearing or kept on reappearing. Not this sounds dead. like game development 101. I keep fixing the <laughs> bug. Why is the bug back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Well, I, th I think I have one last section, AJ. I think I think the last section of questions, I think, relating to the launch thing, unless AJ, anything else uh, relating to like systems or combat or any of that fun stuff? Nope, I don't have anything. Okay, perfect. So obviously, we, this is the question that we've been talking, I think, to everyone too the last couple of months, um, which is the obvious one. So how, uh, in this fun state of 2020, uh, how has like COVID and like this work from home and shutdowns kind of like affected the game development and all that fun stuff? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, well, first of all, we've, we've been pretty lucky in Finland that uh, uh, the COVID has passed on for the, so the most hectic part of the last, like the uh, QA round when we're fixing bugs, we, could be back in the office. Uh, sure, we were very early on going on distant work, but luckily the development was at such a stage that uh, there was no kind of major creative things that we need to communicate to all, because when you're in distant work, even if you have Slack and Discord and daily meetings and everything, you need to put a lot more effort on communications. So when the game was already in, I would say, relatively good shape uh, when the whole COVID started, we got off relatively well. Uh, 
I don't think we were affected that much. Uh, indeed, we went early in March, I think mid-March, mid uh, went to home office uh, and mostly it worked relatively well. Uh, maybe some, some delays because indeed you have to put extra effort that uh, you kind of, the barrier to ask is higher than if you're in at the office and someone just uh, has something open and asks, uh, is this really supposed to be like this? And uh, then whoever is sitting close can say, yeah, it, it, that's how it's intended. It's missing something, something and, and so forth. So the danger if this doesn't take place uh, is of course very evident, but uh, at the same time, it is a lot bigger task to do that in Slack or Discord, even with screen share. It's, people have higher barrier to bug others when you're doing distant, distant work. And uh, that of course created some problems, but I think, as I said, I'm kind of uh, like an old uh, granophone repeating myself. I think we handled it relatively well, but uh, for our future project, which hopefully will start in uh, in a month or two, if the second web also hits Finland and we would have to do all the creative decisions uh, from home, that would be a nightmare. And hopefully, the second web doesn't come, but uh, because that that would be a like the moment when communications and ev everything might change in the pre-production quite quite a lot over the course of time and making sure that everyone involved in pre-production would be on board, then that would be that would be a lot harder, harder thing. Okay. Yeah, I can I can imagine. I, I've been up talked to it. So some people are like, well it's affected very little. But other people are like, yeah, it just shut us down. So it sounds like you were the lucky side of like a it was rougher, but like not impossible. Yeah, yeah. And luckily luckily or <laughs> I don't know if it's lucky, but the if we had been making console ports as well, the kind of uh, security issues uh, with console development is a lot higher. It's a lot harder to be allowed to take everything home. Like we, if uh, someone didn't have a good computer at home, they took their office computer at home, no problem. So no, but uh, with console development, uh, that could be a problem because if you can't guarantee the, uh, the uh, security of the place, then maybe you might be breaking some some contracts. So that would be a lot harder. Well, perfect. Uh, AJ, uh, any last questions for him before I let him go back to whatever time it is over in Finland right now? It would be, hold on, it's 7 p.m. So, uh, yeah, enjoying, yeah. enjoying it. your evening. I nailed it. <laughs> proud of you, AJ. Yeah, yeah. AJ, I'm proud. Yeah. I'll give yeah. you a, a cookie. Complete and utter <laughs> guess right there. I nailed it. Perfect. So let's, let's try to sell you uh, some copies of the game. That's, as we're recording, coming out in two days. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, so the game is Company of Crime. Uh, you are part of Resistance Games, and your publisher is 1C Entertainment. Uh, the game will be available on Steam, right? Is that yes, all? and, and uh, also in good old games. So. And good old games. So uh, probably yeah. good old games. Uh, you don't have, do, you have a, do you have an upcoming Switch port that you would like to announce here or anything? Or? <laughs> sadly, sadly not. Sadly not. <laughs> 
Perfect. Well, uh, again, uh, thanks for sitting down and talking to us to talk about the game, talk about uh, the mob, apparently, 60s London, and all of that other fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Th thanks for having me. This was fun. Perfect. Well, again, uh, thanks everyone for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. This podcast was a production of The SWW Show. To learn more, go to theswwshow.com. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at The SWW Show. You can follow me at Mikey underscore Maroney. You can follow AJ at Lowseatboard. Remember, new episodes premiere on Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time on anchor.fm slash SWW and podcast services around the globe.